You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 130 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio uh, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great today. We have uh, Habs Hockey back. Yeah. A couple wins this week, uh, and combined with that win uh, against that uh, shootout win against Vancouver, there's a a three-game winning streak for just the second time this season. So that was pretty good. Um, And uh, opening day for MLB uh, this week. Um, And and it always happens. I say, okay, I'm going to watch a little bit more baseball this year. And so I watched some games on on opening day, uh, saw the, the snow coming down in Comerica Park. Yeah, um, it was quite the scene. <laughs> Cabrera with the home run. He couldn't see a go out of the park, so he slid into second. The umpire said, no, you're fine. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Um, peeked in on the Blue Jays, and, and yep. uh, when I did, uh, saw that uh, Teo Hernandez uh, home run to tie it up, and the, the Jays went on to win in extra innings. So, um, yeah, it was yeah. A great opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays. And you got and your I'm Blue wearing, Jays, you got your Blue Jays uh, hoodie on today yeah, in celebration. Exactly. Had to do it, and of course they're playing game two of that set today. But yeah, it was uh, Teoscar Hernandez that that absolute moonshot. I'm sure I'm not sure even now it's landed that ball. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Julian Merriweather striking out the side, and I think that's I wanted to mention that because I think that's the important thing here. Is he was a he was the return for Josh Donaldson. The former AL MVP, uh, Josh uh, Donaldson. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's it's all about patience. He struck out the side, hit 99 on a fastball, froze some of the best hitters in baseball. It's all about patience, you know, and, and I think that's an important thing uh, in professional sports in general. But, yeah, a great opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays. And, Rick, that's all to say the boys of summer are back. Grab your peanuts yep. and your popcorn Baseball is back. That's right. Teams are back out on the diamond this week. Last year's season sure was a little bit different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement. And this year is poised to be even better. 
DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at share at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. Now listen, if you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is really easy to play. You just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. With millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. But yeah, Rick, it's it's a great time of year. I always love the summer when baseball comes back or well, early spring, I guess, but it's always great that the boys of summer get back out on the diamond. It feels like uh feels like summer the instant that you see a little bit of baseball highlights. Uh but Rick, we're not through with hockey yet though. Hockey is still going on and it will be uh for some time now. They're going to be sharing a little bit of uh baseball and hockey, sharing a little bit more time than they usually do. Uh, this time of year, but Rick, the Montreal Canadiens, as you said, you go back to that shootout win against the Vancouver Canucks. They've got three straight wins now, and it started this week uh, with a four nothing win over Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers. And that was one that was, you know, obviously the first game back, there was a little bit of confusion about who the Canadians' opponent was going to be in their first game back because it was all a little bit Mm -hmm. up in the air at that point in time. It turned out that they squeezed in one of those Edmonton games that was supposed to go uh, in that three-game set. And the Montreal Canadiens get a 4-0 win. Jesperi Kotkaniemi scoring 18 seconds into the action. Arturi Lekkanen and Brendan Gallagher scored before the end of the first en route to that 4-0 victory. Carey Price, 17 saves in the shutout uh, and a great effort all around in their first game. You sort of wondered if it was going to be the rest that was going to shine or if it was going to be a little bit of rust. And ultimately, uh, it looked like a very well-rested Montreal Canadiens team and a bit of a tired Oilers team. But hey, you take advantage of those when you get them. And then the Montreal Canadiens moved on to Ottawa, where they picked up a 4-1 win over the Senators. And this is what you'd like to see from the Montreal Canadiens against the Ottawa Senators. They dictated play. They got that much-needed win that was a little bit less of a less competitive than some of the other matchups against the Ottawa Senators. But uh, yeah, no real problems on the night. 4-1 win, and the Montreal Canadiens get a valuable two points there and give themselves a little bit more of a gap between them and the Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks. But, uh, Rick, I will say that if anyone would like to go to allhabs.net to check out more comprehensive post-game reviews than I just laid out, they're right there at allhabs.net, written by Rick Stevens. So go check those there. out if you have it. It's all there, all the stats, the quotes, everything. Uh, so go check those out at and, allhabs.net. And one thing I didn't say in the uh, game reviews was, um, you know, um, 
I guess uh, practicing by Zoom works because... Uh, I guess so. I guess it works. Uh, <laughs> Team two, building exercises. Yeah, two great defensive first efforts by the Canadians. And uh, as you said, uh, you take care of business. You take care of business against a, a, a tired team in Edmonton. You take care of business... Uh, against a team uh, near the bottom of the standings in the um, Ottawa Senators. So uh, that's that's what the Canadians have to do as they march towards a playoff position. And I think it's also worth noting, too, is that this group, I mean, you, you had your coach fired, associate coach fired as well with Kirk Muller. I think it was a good time for them to recharge their batteries. Obviously not the circumstances that you want that to come, but I think that this is something that, that, that showed through, that they needed, that they got that little bit of a break and they came back refreshed and ready to go. And they picked up two wins, which uh, will be valuable because they had, I believe, six games in hand on the Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks when they started playing hockey again. So you needed to make up, though. You needed to get some points out of those games, and they've started doing that here. So that's a very good thing. Uh, but Rick, I, given the fact that we were waiting for the Montreal Canadiens to come back, we didn't have any games to really talk about last week. It was a bit of a difficult thing to write a three stars of the week article uh, for me last week. So I decided to use that opportunity to give a bit of an update on the situation for my three stars of the season, which will be announced at the end of the season. And I wanted to explain a little bit because I say at the beginning of every article that each week, every player that appears will earn points towards the end of season rankings. And I, I took the time to explain that if you are a third star for one week, you get one star. Second star gets two stars. And first star gets three uh, points. Excuse me. I, I think I might have said uh, stars instead of points. But regardless, they stock up points and you want to be there at the first star to get three points uh, rather than at the uh, in the third star position. But granted, I took the time to explain all of that so that people knew why exactly the ranking shook out the way that they did to this point. And I had Tyler Toffoli in my third spot with five points, and he was tied alongside Shea Weber and Brendan Gallagher in that position, and I ultimately gave it to Toffoli because he's been tremendous this season and everything the Montreal Canadiens could have hoped for. Josh Anderson was the second star, and Carey Price was the first star because there was no other choice because Carey Price gave me no other choice when I was writing these columns every week because there was the one of the times that he appeared as the first star of the week. He's appeared three times as the first star of the week and once as the second. But one of the times that he appeared as first star of the week was that game in mid-February against the Leafs where the Montreal Canadiens won against Toronto, had really no business winning that game. But right. Carey Price gave him 40 minutes to settle into it, and Brendan Gallagher delivered some offense. You know, so, like, it was performances like that that really contribute to why Carey Price is leading the pack right now. And as I said in the article, there is still time for things to change. Guys that weren't on my three stars of the midseason uh, ranking, that, that guys like Jeff Petrie, who some might be wondering, where is he? He's very much in the thick of it. He's just on the outside looking in right now. But there's time for all of that to change. But as of right now, those are my three stars uh, for the Canadians to this point in the season. And as I said, there's going to be more articles coming and there's going to be an end of season ranking with my three stars of the season. I think I've explained that 
okay. <laughs> I think you explained that pretty well, and and great picks all three. And and listen, um, you're here to do a, a, an objective evaluation, and and uh, we talked about Carey Price's uh, both the basic metrics and, and advanced metrics in in. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's not as bad as people have said, uh, yeah, uh, and not bad at all, actually. And 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 yes, there's a, a, click, a clickbait kind of popular narrative out there, uh, but it doesn't necessarily match reality. I, I, I saw uh, somebody say, "Well, good thing that uh, Jake Allen carried the team when it was going through its uh, rough time in February." Um, and uh, and the funny thing there is that and and we've talked about Jake Allen. Um, you know he he won his his fifth uh, game um, against Ottawa on Thursday night. Um, he's played reasonably well, uh, yep. but he had a six game losing streak. He hadn't won for almost two months from February sixth uh, until uh, April Fool's Day, and and. Uh, uh, so, you know, some of those kind of, uh, narratives, those, those, those myths get out there. Uh, there's, there's not much to support them, but listen, this week, uh, we, we haven't had, a, a the game tonight yet. Uh, but I, I think you already got some, um, some, some pretty good ammunition for putting together yeah. your three stars of the week and make sure that you go to allhabs.net and look for Joe's column, his three stars of the week. Uh, very informative, uh, and very objective. Well, thank you. Yeah, and that'll drop tomorrow, and we'll actually have, yes, some some new games to talk about and new three stars of the week, which will be great to do uh, for this week. But, Rick, as I said, Tyler Toffoli was my third star of uh, the midseason. Uh, it was a bit of an om- impromptu midseason update for my three stars ranking, uh, but uh, he was the third star. But, unfortunately, we have not seen Tyler Toffoli since the Canadians have returned to action, uh, that was because of a lower body injury. The good news is we may be getting closer to seeing him return. He is a game-time decision for tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators, but overall, great news that he is nearing a return, even if he doesn't play tonight. Dom Ducharme said, uh, officially game-time decision, but expected to play uh, in the Saturday night game against uh, Ottawa. Uh, and uh, in the game day skate, he was lined up on the third line with uh, Kotkaniemi um, in, the, in the center. And those two have been together, so there's no uh, surprise there. Yeah. What was a surprise is to see Jonathan Drouin on that line, uh, bumped out of the, the spot next to uh, Suzuki, and uh, Corey Perry up from the fourth line uh, on the left of Suzuki with um, with Suzuki and Anderson, uh, which which gave that fourth line, uh, at least in the game day skate, of Byron, Evans, and Lekkonen. Um, things will change with with the arrival of uh, Eric Stahl, um, but uh, that's what it that's the way it was shaping up uh, for tonight, and um, and Joel Armia. Uh, yeah. He remains on the NHL's COVID list, and uh, according to Dom Ducharme, he's going to need a couple more days uh, before he's back in the lineup. Yeah, as as you would expect, uh, given that, uh, yeah, he was the the positive case uh, amongst the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but Ricky mentioned it there. Eric Stahl is on his way. Uh, he's in Montreal, but he is under that one week quarantine, so we will not see him tonight against the Ottawa Senators. But we will be seeing him reasonably soon, and that's uh, that's exciting news for the Montreal Canadiens. That's great news. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, and I think um, you know with these adjustments that uh, that Dom Ducharme uh, made uh, for this morning's game day skate, he said that he was looking for more balance uh, in the lineup, and uh, you have to expect that uh, when uh, Eric Stahl is uh, done his. Well, it's interesting because uh, the quarantine is still officially, according to the federal government, 14 days, but the, the last seven days of the quarantine can be spent with the team, which is odd. Uh, I yeah. think it's just semantics. But uh, once uh, Eric Stahl is in the lineup and and uh, that's going to change things, and, and we saw with that, with that, with Eric Stahl on the horizon, we saw two great games uh, out of uh, Jake Evans. He was probably his best game on yeah. on Thursday night against Ottawa. Uh, he's been great. So he's uh, saying, you know, um, coach, uh, find another option. I want to stay in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, listen, that's when when a, when a team sees that. Listen, there's obviously excitement from from guys who know that their spot is secure on the Montreal Canadiens. That you know, Eric Stahl isn't a threat to them. Uh, but there's a little bit of that looking over the shoulder, which isn't always a bad thing. It's, it's good to have internal competition, but given the uh, cap circumstances for the mm. Montreal Canadiens, that adds another element to it where Jake Evans is saying, listen, I, I kind of want to stay <laughs> stay around with the Montreal Canadiens uh, for the rest of this season. And he made a very, uh, yeah, as you said, a great statement uh, in that game against uh, the Ottawa Senators in particular. But yeah, uh, Rick... The one thing that that came out of this week, it was a bit of a, a surprising piece of news. Uh, Shane Gostisbehere was uh, put on waivers uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers, and of course, that is the kind of defenseman <laughs> that you would think would fit alongside Shea Weber pretty nicely. But of course, given the Canadians' cap situation that I just mentioned. Not a feasible thing. Uh, not a not something that you you would have likely have seen happen. But of course, that did not stop Montreal Canadiens fans. <laughs> well, you, uh, you were the only one that put two and two together and thought Gustav Spear would be a nice uh, addition to the. Yeah. No, I have been uh, <laughs> twice twice this past week. Uh, Canadiens fans got set on fire. We'll t- we'll talk about the other in in the yeah. third segment. Uh, but uh, when Gustav Spear was when the news came out that the Flyers had placed him on waivers. Uh, that that excited Canadians fans. They saw it as an opportunity for Mark Bergevin to make one of his uh, another one of his uh, waiver wire pickups. Yeah, uh, but the the numbers just didn't work. And and maybe um, you know uh, Gosses Pierce looked better, uh, much better this season than he did last season. Uh, but he's lost a bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, whether whether the Canadians wanted to get into that commitment, um, uh, you know, that that's probably not the, the, the way they wanted to go, especially with the, the amount of, of cap space they would have had to free up to uh, make that happen. Yeah, just just not really feasible. And as you said, there has been a bit of a decline in his play uh, the last couple of years. So maybe not uh, somebody that you would want to bring into the fold at this point in time. But, Rick, we will move on because we do have some news. Uh, last week we touched on uh, Cole Caulfield. And, by the way, we will be touching on Cole Caulfield in the second segment, so stick around for that. Uh, but, Rick, there is a Habs prospect that has advanced to the Frozen Four, that his, that his team is is going to the Frozen Four. And it's maybe not somebody that Habs fans have had a lot of time to 
you know, sort of catch up on on him as a player or as a person. But uh, Blake Biondi, 2020 draft pick for the Montreal Canadiens, his, uh, his team has advanced to the Frozen Four. It has. Uh, University of Minnesota uh, Duluth Bulldogs. And um, I was watching that game. <laughs> Bulldogs against uh, a higher-ranked North Dakota team, and it went into five overtimes. Wow. Uh, f- and and Blake Biondi was on the ice at 1.45 a.m. Eastern time uh, when uh, <laughs> when the, the, uh, the UMD Bulldogs uh, pulled out the win, eliminating uh, the Fighting Hawks of, of North Dakota. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a game. Uh, and uh, so now uh, the Cana- we talked about all the Canadians uh, prospects in the region- regional uh, uh, tournament. Uh, there was, as you mentioned, with Wisconsin, Cole Caulfield and uh, Jack Gorniak, Luke Tuck, Arvid H- Hendrickson. Um, all of those players have been eliminated. Beyondy is the the last man standing, so to speak, um, uh, as far as Canadians' prospects. And uh, he'll advance to the Frozen Four, and that goes next weekend. Uh, actually, it starts on Thursday in the semifinals, and the finals go on uh, Saturday. Uh, Beyondy's uh, Bulldogs, uh, UMD Bulldogs, go against UMass, the Minutemen. Um, and uh, and then if they win that game, we'll advance to uh, Sunday's final. In the other uh, bracket, you have uh, the uh, University of Minnesota Mavericks uh, against St. Cloud State. St. Cloud State, formerly um, Ryan Paling's uh, uh, alma mater, Ryan Lind- or, um, Charlie Lindgren's alma mater. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ryan Lindgren said that he was keeping a, a close eye. He still has uh, contacts with the Huskies, so... He's uh, keeping a close eye on on that matchup as they advanced to um, to the Frozen Four. Yeah, so definitely keep an eye on on that situation with uh, Blake Biondi and and the Frozen Four. And let me just add that uh, if you want to keep an eye on it, uh, the, the AHL report, uh, Amy Johnson yes. will be following the uh, the Frozen Four action, and and you can uh, follow at the AHL report on Twitter, and you'll get all the the uh, details you need absolutely and amy johnson very good at what she does so definitely worth uh keeping track of the frozen four by following along with amy johnson but rick there was some uh, interesting news this week um just broke the other day uh, <laughs> the laval rocket uh, the one of their defensemen Corey schooneman the canadians have signed him to a one-year two-way contract for the 2021-2022 season uh, did you see this as something that the Canadians were going to do? Well, I, I, it's not a surprise at all that Corey Schooneman was uh, asked to return, sign a contract for next year. Not, not a, not a surprise at all. He's a he's a big favorite of of Joel Bouchard. Appraises uh, him all the time. Uh, Bouchard was very uh, complimentary of the pro scouts who found Schooneman. Uh, playing with uh, the Stockton Heat and uh, and but this year um, uh, Schooneman was signed to a one-year two-way AHL contract. Sorry, a one-year one-way AHL contract. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so for him to be signed to an NHL deal uh, to use up one of those contracts was a surprise, and I guess more surprising is that it was done now so early uh, before the season's done, and so. 
uh, whether whether there was other uh, interested parties or not, uh, we don't know. But uh, Corey Schooneman will be back uh, with the Laval Rocket uh, next year. 25-year-old uh, defenseman. He has uh, seven points in 21 games this season uh, with Laval. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that that was a little bit, yeah. Um, the the two way aspect of it was something that was a little bit was interesting uh, of a shock yeah. to me. Yeah, but uh, but certainly, yeah, as you said, favorite of Joel Bouchard. So get him back in the fold. And let's just let's just uh, mention again uh, the the work that uh, both Chris G and and Amy Johnson yeah. do with uh, the AHL report. Uh, Amy Johnson was on TSN 690 as the uh, intermission analyst last night. Uh, she did a hit in the second intermission. And what a game last night. What a yeah. wild game last night. Uh, Caden Primo with the shutout. 3 nothing over Stockton. Uh, but it was a wild and feisty affair. Um, uh, Brandon Baddock, Yannick Veo, uh, both scoring and both getting in fights. They were an, both Usual of them suspects. Uh, an assist <laughs> away from a Gordie Howe hat trick. Uh, Michael Pozzetta, uh had a had a fight as well. It was yeah, it was it was quite a feisty game. But uh, uh, Laval came out uh, the winner, uh, three nothing in that one. Absolutely. And if you want to follow the Laval Rocket, as, as Rick just alluded to, you can follow uh, Chris G and Amy Johnson on Twitter. Their their coverage and the AHL report as well. Their coverage is phenomenal. Um, but Rick, the Laval Rocket will soon have a, uh, a new player <laughs> that's going to be playing for them. And he's going to wear number 44, as was revealed earlier today. But Rick, I wanted to point out, because we've talked about Mark Bergevin press conferences the past little while and how his demeanor has been noticeably different uh and not in a way that is you know, not in a, not in a great way but in the eric stall availability that he had when he was announcing that trade and and, ask, and a- answering questions about it he was asked about cole caulfield and i think it was the first time that we've seen the mark bergevin smirk in quite some time because <laughs> yeah, he was he knew something was coming and it did because the canadians signed cole caulfield to a three-year entry-level contract and he will, as I said, play his first pro game in Laval. And we do have uh, some audio from Cole Caulfield's first uh, media availability as a Montreal Canadiens under contract player. Yeah, and, and I'll play that in a sec. But yeah. uh, just to remind everybody of the um, the audio we played last week. And, and the audio from Cole Caulfield last week came after yes. uh, the game where they were um, heavy favorites over... Uh, Bemidji State, um, the Bemidji State Beavers, and and Bemidji uh, ousted uh, Wisconsin from the the regionals, and uh, Cole Caulfield was uh, you know disconsolate. Yeah. He he was really upset, um, and said he was going to need a couple of days to to uh, uh, consider his future. Uh, we played clips from Tony Granato saying he needs to go and and talk with his advisors and his family and give him space, give him some time. Well, he needed less than 24 hours. Yeah. And the news was out that he had signed his, um, his entry level, his three year entry level contract. Um, so, uh, that was, that was, uh, and, and, and Bergevin, as you, uh, alluded to being a little coy yeah. saying, uh, <laughs> get back to me in a couple of days and I'll let you know. Well, it was more than like a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, that was interesting. And yes, he signed his, his entry level contract. Um, 
three-year uh, standard deal. Although yeah. uh, the interesting part for for uh, our listeners, I think, is that uh, Cole Caulfield took a little less money. Uh, There's specified amounts for what first-round picks get. Um, and Cole Caulfield took a little less money in the first year, made, made it up in uh, performance bonuses um, uh, later on uh, in the third year, I guess. And uh, a little bit of, of interesting uh, work by his agent, Pat Brisson, uh, who said when asked, why is he taking less money in the first year? And he said, well, Canadians are in cap trouble. We want to make it as easy as possible for him to be recalled uh, yeah. from Laval this year. So uh, a little bit of, of uh, I, I thought that was, that was, that, fa- that was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Um, but Cole Caulfield, um, uh, he's, he's uh, quarantining uh, this week. Uh, maybe by the end of the week, we, we might, well, um, I think by Tuesday he can, uh, he might get into a practice, but it's looking like uh, Friday that he might get into a Laval Rocket game when asked what he was going to be doing during quarantine. Um, another thing you don't think of, but remember, Cole's a student. So he said, like you, Joseph, he's going to yeah. be doing a lot of coursework this and a lot of studying <laughs> this week uh, so that he can focus on hockey when he comes back. Uh, but uh, yeah, all of that delay. Uh, and uh, let's get to uh, the, the first clip from Cole Caulfield. Obviously, I just can't wait to get my feet wet. It's a great league. And um, I'm just excited to get going. I know they have a great team right now, and I'm just going to be happy to be a part of it. So, uh, what a what a what a difference a few days makes. His yeah, mood yeah. his mood brightened after he signed his ELC, and he's uh, excited to get his feet wet as a pro. Absolutely, and that's going to be a very I think exciting challenge for him. And I know that it was yeah, as you said, it was a very dynamic change in the in the moods that we heard from the clips last week to this one but yeah it's it's an exciting period of time for Cole Caulfield to to try to get his his feet wet as he says in the pro game and it's going to be exciting for Montreal Canadiens fans and those following the Laval Rocket to get to see his first action uh, as a pro uh, but Rick the one thing that we wonder about Cole Caulfield I mean there's been a development in his game, but I mean, what have been the biggest changes for him in the past year? Uh, yeah, I think, I think just being mature um, as an all around player, I think um, my ability and how I learned this year, how to play in all three zones a little bit better is, is something that I took a lot of pride in. And um, I think the compete factor's always been there, but um, I'm just a lot more hungry right now. And um, I just want to prove to myself, um, you know, how good of a player I am and, and what I've become this past year, because uh, I think I took a big step in my development, and uh, I'm just excited to get there and show it. So we know, everybody knows, um, that Cole Caulfield, his his game is offense. He's got that impressive shot. Uh, and he had that the first season when we saw him, but uh, uh, his game has evolved into more of a complete game. Uh, his coach, Tony Granato, put more of an emphasis on on him uh, spending more time uh, capturing the puck in the defensive zone so that he could then help create offensive chances. And, uh, 
and I think that's only helped his his offensive game uh, and 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 his shot uh, is uh, is still as lethal. Um, and and we're going to talk to uh, someone who was there every step of the way for the past two years for every step of his college career. His name is Todd Molesky, and and uh, he's uh, he's going to talk to us uh, about all of the changes to. Uh, uh, Cole's game. Uh, he tweeted last week, that is Todd Molesky, uh, about that shot though. And um, 31 games, uh, including the the, uh, uh, the the regionals, uh, 31 games uh, for Cole Caulfield this season with the Badgers, 301 shot attempts. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> like 10 shot. It's a game. 197 at even strength, 165 shots on goal, he hit 10 posts, 70 shots were blocked, and 56 missed the net. And, uh, and of course, we know uh, his goal stats. Uh, but yeah. um, what, what an incredible offensive machine uh, that is Cole Caulfield that added uh, some, some defense to his game as well. Absolutely. And, and that's something that needed to happen because, of course... We know that there is that sizable, there is a gap between, you know, the junior college the, to NHL. We know there's a jump there that needs to, that, that that happens. And the one thing that you need to do once you get to the pro game is be able to adapt and understand that, well, if you aren't somebody that is at least competent as a defensive player, it's going to be harder to get opportunities to be out there on the ice to do what you do offensively. And Cole Caulfield needed to make some uh, needed to grow a little bit, make some leaps in terms of his play away from the puck, and it's it's great to see that he has become a little bit more of a of a defensive responsible player uh, at this point. But uh, he also touched on the feeling about being nominated for the Hobie Baker Award. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it meant a lot to me um, personally. It was one of my goals going into the season um, and coming back to Wisconsin. I just wanted to to be a leader on the team and, and lead the team in the right direction. And um, for me personally, it was just a goal of mine. And, um, you know, my teammates obviously helped me out with that, but, um, you know, it was a good accomplishment for me so far. Hobie Baker Award is something he set his sights on um, at the beginning of the season. Um, we're going to mention a little bit later, but but let's uh, let's let the cat out of the bag here. That uh, uh, Cole <laughs> Caulfield was he was part of that group of ten. That's how it works uh, when they're they're putting together the Hobie Baker Award. But on Thursday, um, it was whittled down to three. Um, they call it the Hobie Hat Trick. Uh, he was one of those, not not a surprise, uh, he was uh, one of the three uh, finalists for the Hobie Baker Award along with Shane Pinto. We saw Shane Pinto uh, sign his ELC with Ottawa this year and Dryden McKay, uh, the phenomenal goaltender who's undrafted with the Minnesota State Mavericks. Uh, those three uh, will be uh, uh, up for the Hobie Baker Award, and that will be uh, announced on April the 9th. Uh, but I have a feeling that uh, that Cole has a, a pretty good chance of that Hobie Baker Award. Yeah, and that would be a, quite the honor for Cole Caulfield. Uh, but Rick, the one thing that's going to be a challenge for Cole Caulfield as he makes this jump from the Wisconsin Badgers to the Laval Rocket, and then eventually the Montreal Canadiens, there's a lot of expectations on him, and there were a lot of expectations for his performance and what it would look like in the games that were televised in Canada 
on TSN and in Montreal and then RDS. And, you know, the play at the World Juniors was also a part of that too. But he talked about the awareness that he had of the Badgers games being televised on TSN and RDS. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously something special to have have your college games on and Canadian networks and stuff. But, um, yeah, I feel the support, you know, feel the excitement. And, uh, you know, it's obviously exciting to play in front of you know, a large crowd, um, especially when there's there's not people in the stands. Um, just to know people's watching is a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, it's obviously pretty exciting and special for me. When he says large crowd, he's talking about the viewing audience. Yeah. Um, of of TSN and RDS and 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 that should be some indication of of an important such an important uh, uh, prospect for the Canadians that there was uh, yeah the interest to to televise uh, a couple of his his Badger games uh, this past season. Absolutely, yeah, and that's something that we're that's going to be touched on uh, in the interview with uh, Todd Molesky. So definitely uh, stick around for that as well, but. Uh, Rick, the one thing that uh, you wonder about for Cole Caulfield is is how he approaches games, and uh, he talked about the approach going into each game this season. My approach going into every game was just to, you know, play play the D zone first and and get out as fast as he could, and then go play with the puck. But um, yeah, I think my coach Tony Granado helped me a lot, um, just understanding how important uh, you know the other side of the puck is. I think everybody knows I can score goals and, and do things in the offensive zone. But um, for me personally, uh, the number one priority every game was to play in the D zone first and, and spend as little time in there as possible. And um, I think, you know, just having that mindset, you know, helped me grow a lot um, in all three zones and as a player all around. How does, how does Tony Granato uh, speak to an offensive player? Go grab the puck in the defensive zone, and then you'll have to spend very little time there and yep. get it at the, to the other end of the ice. Um, yeah, and it worked. Uh, yep. and it obviously worked uh, because he, uh, the year that that uh, saw him uh, in person, his his uh, freshman year, uh, he was a guy that uh, kind of uh, waited outside the zone and and let uh, his teammates. Uh, uh, retrieved the puck, but uh, much more, as we've said, uh, a complete player. He wanted to go grab that puck and get it down to the other end of the ice so he could have another offensive scoring chance. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's a good way to incentivize it for guys <laughs> like right. Cole Caulfield, who have the, you know, fantastic offensive game. You want to get the puck and go and, and, and create an offensive opportunity? Go get it yourself. Do it that way. That's, that's a good way to go about it. Uh, but, Rick, we'll talk about for a minute here uh, the advantage for Cole Caulfield spending an extra year in college hockey. Because we remember, though, he did want to make a jump. Like, there, there was that conversation at the end of his freshman year. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the advantage of spending an extra year in college hockey. One is just maturing, you know, on and off the ice, obviously – you know, college is a good place to be to, to grow yourself um, off the ice with, uh, you know, limited games and, and only games on the weekend. So um, just getting that other, next other, sorry, getting that new year, um, you know, extra extra time to put in the weight room, um, you know, to better yourself. I feel a lot more comfortable. Um, last year, I feel like it would have been forced for me to, to sign and, and go then. But this year, I feel a lot more comfortable and um yeah, I feel more prepared and ready for the next step, and uh, I'm excited to take this next challenge on. 
So a little bit of difference. You're dealing with the same age group, but there is a difference between Canadian junior hockey and uh, and college hockey, NCAA yeah. Division One, in that there there's only weekend games uh, for college hockey and. Uh, we we talked to uh, Guy Gadowski, the head coach of Penn State, and and he talked about having four solid days of practice, uh, either practice or or time in the weight weight room or both. And and Cole Caulfield uh, obviously obviously spent more time in the weight room, uh, and 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 got himself in better condition. Um, you know that there's a knock on him five foot. Seven generously, uh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe uh, 163 pounds to start the uh, uh, the season. He said that uh, because of the the time that he's had uh, in the weight room, he's uh, he's now up to 170 uh, as he readies himself to uh, start a pro stint in Laval. Yeah, and of course, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Cole Caulfield as he gets ready for his first professional hockey game, and uh, of course. As we have said throughout, if you want to have uh, some great coverage of the Laval Rocket and Cole Caulfield's first uh, professional game, when that does happen, uh, AHL Report is a great place to get that coverage. Chris G, Amy Johnson uh, doing some phenomenal work there. You're definitely going to want to follow them on social media and the AHL Report as well. Uh, but Rick, we'll, we'll move on because there's some interesting NHL news, as we said, uh, there was some confusion. There was a little bit of uh, there's a lot of balls in the air with this uh, Montreal Canadiens situation with who they'd be playing and when it would happen and, and all of that. So the NHL announced updates to the Canadiens regular season schedule. There were uh, 10 games that were adjusted um, because of that uh, that week off. Um, and it, it works out to um uh, for the next five weeks uh, going forward, uh, the Canadians will have four games a week, uh, essentially. A very, very busy schedule. Um, you know, it, it already seemed uh, busy in, in March, but it's about to get busier. So um, it's it's going to be, uh, there's going to have to be some some uh, careful management of the workload by Dom Ducharme and the, and the coaches. Uh, to to make sure that uh, this team is is uh, fresh for the 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 arduous uh, schedule that uh, that that came out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said at the beginning, where you know you're dealing with a tired Edmonton Oilers team, there are going to be many nights down the stretch where the Montreal Canadiens are going to be the tired team. So you take advantage of that when it comes uh, to you. So the Montreal Canadiens did that against the Oilers. Uh, so we'll see how it goes uh, down the stretch of the season. But, Rick, they did that because of the COVID situation with the Montreal Canadiens. Unfortunately, some very scary news out of Vancouver. Uh, more positive COVID-19 tests that were announced uh, Friday evening, uh, adding to the uh, already eight confirmed cases among their players. And, unfortunately, they've identified a strain variant in amongst those positive test results. And Farhan Lalji of TSN reporting that players have become, uh, Canucks players have become very ill, some of them. And uh, in some cases, team medical staff may have gone to the homes of players to administer IV treatment. So just a very scary situation unfolding uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, they talked about a, a Brazilian variant uh, of, of COVID, and uh, it's hit the team pretty hard. And, and as you said, uh, some of the players in in uh, rough shape and and um, you know it, 
Oddly, Vancouver was when when the the uh, uh, NHL had to reschedule uh, the Montreal Canadiens. They they changed the schedule for all the teams in the North except Vancouver. Uh, yeah. And now, uh, obviously, uh, with their games being canceled uh, in the immediate future, uh, there's going to have to be a change there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So just wishing all the best for everyone involved uh, in Vancouver. A very a very scary situation indeed. Uh, but Rick, uh, we will move on because we do have some more news to get to. And Eric Stahl, uh, his, he had his first media availability this week after he arrived in Montreal. And Rick, it, it, it was very uh, refreshing to see Eric Stahl. And I think he was uh, very refreshed to be uh, anywhere but Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to take shots at Buffalo. I really don't. But uh, yeah, he uh, he was asked about the Buffalo Sabres. We won't be getting into uh, any of, of that. But uh, he talked about the feeling that he has right now uh, to be a Montreal Canadian. Well, it feels a little bit surreal, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, I've, I've played in this building many times and um, had some, some really fun games, some competitive games. Um, you know, this is the best atmosphere in the league by far. And uh, now to be joining the group and joining the, you know, the whole uh, city, uh, being a Montreal Canadian is uh, pretty phenomenal. I'm excited. Um, you know, obviously a week's going to hopefully go by fast, but, um, you know, I'm just excited to get started with the guys and, um, you know, great opportunity for, for me to hopefully finish strong here for, for this year. Very excited. It called it the, the opportunity phenomenal. Um, he sounds like he's on board and it's nice to have another one of those guys. We talked about that expanding leadership with, uh, with Perry, uh, and, uh, um, uh, adding to Shea Weber and Carey Price and, and, yeah. uh, and, and certainly Eric Stahl would be another one of those guys who could just kind of take control, manage the, the dressing, help manage the dressing room and the bench. And, and the interesting thing for me is, uh, boy, he took control of that media availability. Yeah. Uh, as the Montreal, uh, as the Montreal press is apt to do, the Montreal media, they tried to box him into some some thing, and he was having none of it. <laughs> um, and uh, the the one of the questions was about uh, the situation in in Buffalo and what what, yeah. what went wrong there. Uh, and uh, Eric said, uh, you know, the good part. I don't have to. I don't have to answer that. I don't have to talk about that because I'm a Montreal Canadian. And it was yeah. and and uh, Arpan Basu went back and kind of harped on it. And he just managed that press conference like a veteran. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoke clearly and plainly. And and uh, I I thought it was uh, it was masterfully done. Yeah, a wily veteran on the ice, and uh, he's he's been around the block. He's he's had some press availabilities in his career, so he's not going to be as you said boxed into a corner. Uh, and yeah, he very much took control of that entire situation, which y- you have to respect. Uh, but the one thing you wonder, and uh, I said this when uh, when Corey Perry was uh, signed to a contract, is what can Eric Stahl, what can 36-year-old Eric Stahl uh, contribute to the Montreal Canadiens? And here he is on that. Uh, I just want to just want to win. I mean, I want to be out there and and uh, and win and be competitive and and try and help our, our group uh, win games, whether wherever that is in the lineup, um, I will do what I can. Um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, I've got some game left in me, then uh, I can be a contributor. 
he has game left, um, and, uh, and, and he wants to win. Um, and, and, and that's kind of, that's, that's what you want. That's enough. That's yeah. all you need. Uh, and, and you know that he's going to do anything he can to contribute. Yeah, for sure. And that's what you'd expect to hear from Eric Stahl. And uh, yeah, as I said, it's it's a very exciting thing to see if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan that you have that guy entering the fold. Uh, but here are Eric Stahl's thoughts. And this is very interesting. What what he thinks are the strengths of this team? I think the pace that they play at is is, uh, is, a, is a level that uh, is successful nowadays in NHL. I, I, I think this is a fast team. I think they, they move puck quick. They transition quick. Obviously, they've got a strong back end, um, starting with Webb's uh, Petrie. I mean, they've got um, obviously great goaltending with Carey, and um, you know, it's a balance up front that uh, you know, can come at you um, in waves. And I think uh, with the amount of games we have, the type of season it is, um, you're going to need everybody in your lineup. And um, you know, I think the way that they played in the in the bubble, obviously beating Pittsburgh, and um, you know, I, I just think uh, there's a, a lot of mix of, of uh, some some guys that have been around a while and, and understand the game and and, and uh, veteran experience, but also, you know, some youthful energy and, and um, that pace and, and play of the group is is what excites me. And I look forward to, uh, you know, obviously diving in and practice and then um, starting the game. So it's the pace that they play at, that the Canadians play at, that uh, excites him. Um, and, and, and I think he talked about, well, the, the, the veterans, uh, combined with, with, uh, the energy of, of youth, that mix, he thinks that the Canadians have it right. It's interesting that, uh, you know, that a lot of fans or, and media have been quick to criticize Carey Price this season or Shea Weber. Uh, you don't hear that from NHL players and, and no. even uh, ones new to the team, they respect uh, Weber on the back end, Carey Price and Gold. Uh, he talked about Petrie as well. Uh, and the other thing that uh, the respect is there was for the Canadians' performance in the bubble against Pittsburgh. That was certainly uh, the league certainly took notice yeah. of uh, of of the Canadians, uh, and uh, we've heard that from others. Uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that was that uh, people st- uh, stood up and, and took notice of that. And you remember back to when the Canadian signed Tyler Toffoli, he talked about wanting to play with Nick Suzuki as being one of the reasons why. And you'd have to think the bubble played a big part in that, his performance in Toronto. But the the one thing that will be interesting to see is you look at the lay of the land for the Montreal Canadiens in terms of their roster construction at this current moment in time. Uh, where does Eric Stahl fit into this? Is he going to be playing fewer minutes? He talked about that. Uh, I'm a competitor. I want to play. I want to play 25 minutes every game. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, um, I mean, I don't think if you don't have that mindset, I mean, I don't know. I, you should, I mean, obviously you have to fill roles and there's, there's opportunity there, but you have to always try and push yourself to, to be at your best. But I, I think that comes with, um, you know, with, with, uh, coaches and staff and, and understanding what, what level or what amount of minutes we can get the best out of this player and this person. But, you know, for me personally, I'm always striving to, uh, to have my name called as much as I can because, uh, you know, I'm competitive. I want to play. I want to do what I can to help uh, be successful. But I also understand, you know, um, hey, this, this night or this moment might not be mine. It might be someone else's. And you need to, uh, um, 
be supportive and, and uh, be a good teammate. So he's going to be a good teammate. He's going to be supportive. Uh, he, he understands if, if uh, the moment uh, belongs to someone else. But um, forget about this load management nonsense. He, yeah. wants, he wants his name called. And you heard yep. the reporter kind of laugh uh, when he said 25 minutes. But, but Eric Stahl is serious. Uh, he, wants, he wants to be out there. Corey yep. Perry wants the same thing. Shea Weber wants the same thing. Load management. I mean, they're competitive guys, and they want to be out there and contribute to their team. Um, and, and, and that's what you want. You want that hunger of a, of a veteran who wants to be out there on every shift. And, I mean, for guys like that that are at the, you know, towards the end of their, they're closer to the end than they are the beginning, uh, whenever it is that, you know, I don't want to say that they're at the twilight of their career. That's that I don't want to say that at all. But, you know, for those guys, when they've dominated the way that they have, right, when Eric Stahl has been this perennial guy that has been putting up points year in, year out, where Corey Perry's won, uh, you know, Maurice Richard and, and MVP and all that, these are guys that know that they can do that, that they still have that within them, and they want to have the opportunity to show that. And so you love to hear those types of things from guys like Corey Perry and Eric Stahl. Um, the one thing that I thought was really interesting from this press availability was Eric Stahl talking about what his thoughts were on the drive to Montreal. Definitely, uh, you know, crossed my mind a few times, you know, entering back into Canada and, um, you know, now, you know, being a Montreal Canadian and, and uh, you know, playing hockey in Canada and, and all those things uh, crossed my mind a number of times and, um, you know, kind of goosebumps here and there. And, you know, it's just uh, going to be fun. I'm going to embrace it. I mean, Hey, I'm at the, um, you know, second half of my career and, and uh, I get an opportunity to play for the Habs. So um, you gotta, you gotta love it and uh, enjoy it. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a great chance and I'll do my best to, uh, to be very good. Bit of time to think as he's driving from Buffalo to uh, Montreal and and goosebumps um, he yeah. mentioned uh, and why not um, you're now playing in Canada you're now a Montreal Canadian um, nothing wrong with that and I guess uh, it, it, it was interesting that that you mentioned twilight end of the career uh, yeah, Eric Stahl half. just just answered you directly <laughs> uh, and said and, and I like how he phrased that no. It's the second half of my career. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. That's that's a great way of looking at it. But the thing that I think is really interesting here is, as I said, with Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, two guys that have had tremendous careers and obviously represented Canada at the Olympics. Those are two guys that up until now, they didn't play in a Canadian market. They haven't had the opportunity to do that up until this season. So that's a very interesting element in, in, in the midst of all this as well uh, with Eric Stahl finally uh getting an opportunity to play uh, for a Canadian team. So that's very interesting. Uh, but yeah, so Rick, as we've been talking about throughout, we've, we've mentioned the name Corey Perry a couple times, and you've mentioned Carey Price and Shea Weber. Uh, Eric Stahl talking about, is it comforting to come to a team that has Carey Price, Shea Weber, and Corey Perry? I know those guys well, and um, that, that helps when you're coming into a locker room. They, um, you know, they, they know me as well. So um, it's uh, it's exciting for me to have, you know, some of that, um, veteran experience already in the room and, and uh, I can just kind of come in and, and, and be me and um, just fit and uh, be excited to hopefully bring some good energy and, and um, you know, excitement about uh, uh, getting out there. So, uh, 
you know, obviously some, some great talented players too, and, and guys that have won and guys that get it. And, and that, uh, um, you know, that makes me excited. So uh, looking forward to it. So in some circumstances, he would go into the locker room and, and right away all eyes would be focused on him to act as the leader, to act as the go-to guy. Um, And he said, listen, this locker room, and I know these guys, uh, they already have leaders. There's already uh, Price. There's already Weber. There's already Perry. And I can just be me. And I'm sure he will provide leadership as well, yeah. but but it's not uh, something that uh, that is expected and 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 forced. And and I also like the other uh, comment that uh, I know there's guys in this locker room that get it. They know. They know. Uh, and uh, and and that's what veter- veteran experience and leadership uh, can bring. Yeah, and it's just good to have an additional voice added to that room. A guy like Eric Stahl, who's been a captain in the NHL, of of course, we talk about his tremendous career, but you've got a leadership core here that has been, you know, leading this team for years. You talk about Carey Price and Shea Weber. You've also got, I mean, maybe leaders in different ways, Brennan Gallagher and Jeff Petrie. Obviously, Petrie, maybe not as as vocal of a leader, but a guy that does it more by example than anything else. Uh, But yeah, you have guys on this team that have been good leaders it's good to add guys from outside the organization and especially a guy like Eric Stahl, who was a former captain, to bring a little bit more of that additional leadership, uh, especially up front, because the Canadians, they, they could use a little bit more of experience up front. Um, and finally, we'll get to this question. Uh, what does he think about being on a line with Corey Perry? Uh, well, I, I've, uh, I've actually played a little bit with Perry before. Um, you know, I think at the Olympics... Um, played with him and Getsy for a few games. Uh, but, you know, Corey, obviously, um, big, strong guy, loves to be around that that net. And, you know, I, I think puck protection is very good. He's got great hands and, and good skills. So, um, you know, if I end up with him, you know, I, I think it's about reading the play, playing in the offensive zone, um, you know, getting pucks to the net and, um, you know, using using our D to our advantage and using our size and, and skills in front of that to our advantage. We don't know where he's going to play when he gets into the lineup, but it's reasonable to assume um, uh, it might include uh, Corey Perry. And he said that he had has uh, had some uh, experience with that already at the Olympics with uh, Ryan Getzlaff. And, and you can imagine those guys, those two guys, uh, as as a starter, um, as he said, the 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 size, the the puck protection, uh, and and just the 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 smarts uh, to be yeah. able to 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 read the play and go to the net. This is this is going to be interesting. Yeah, and I think that the thing that's been fun to watch from Corey Perry this year is to understand and appreciate his game a little bit more because his mind is moving faster than anyone else is around him, and it's been fun to watch that all unfold on the ice. Adding a guy like Eric Stahl that's going to be even another that's going to be another great thing uh, to watch and as i said last week mark bergevin maybe trying to uh, re- reunite all this uh, tw- all these 2010 olympic guys <laughs> together uh, so that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see where exactly he lines up with the montreal canadians um, so rick we're going to take our first break here on the canadians connection podcast when we come back we're going to be taking an inside look at Cole Caulfield, and we're going to be joined uh, by Todd Molesky of uh, the uh, Wisconsin State Journal to get his thoughts on Cole Caulfield. Stay with us for all that after a quick break. 
Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Well, Rick, we have got quite the big topic for this week because, you know, Cole Caulfield signed his entry-level contract this week, as we talked about in the first segment. So we decided that we would take a look back at Cole Caulfield and and his uh, career to this point, all the moments that uh, that he's been associated with the Montreal Canadiens, and and we've got you know a, a history at Rocket Sports Media of of being there for some of Cole Caulfield's moments, uh, the biggest moments of his career to this point. Yeah, um, what we this episode uh, is named uh, that the 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 titled is uh, Caulfield era yeah. is near and and it certainly is. Uh, it's going to happen uh, where he steps on the, the ice uh, for the Laval Rocket this week. Um, but this is uh, we've we've followed him for uh, right from the beginning. We've been we've been there uh, to, to document, uh, each and every step. And, and, uh, I guess I think back to, uh, to the draft, um, and it was the, the 2019 NHL entry draft in Vancouver. And as we do, as rocket sports does, um, um, well, going back five, six years, uh, for the draft, um, we hold a contest, uh, and um, very graciously, the NHL provides us uh, reserved uh, lower bowl tickets for the draft. The NHL entry draft is a is just a an amazing event on the hockey calendar and a really unique event. And um, and 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 they've they've recognized uh, how we we bring fans uh, and our staff into. Uh, 
into a situation that is is very memorable, where we sit uh, amongst the uh, the draftees and their families, and and uh, get to experience the draft in a very different way than than usual. And uh, and we heard from um, uh, some uh, once uh, Cole Caulfield signed his entry level contract. We heard from some of the uh, Jim and and others uh, saying uh, this has kind of come full circle now. We were there. Yeah. We were at the draft. Uh, you were there. You you made yeah. the trek all the way from Newfoundland. Yeah, made the uh, the long journey uh, to Vancouver. Uh, a couple of you know, a couple of uh, of linking flights uh, stops in Toronto and Edmonton on my way to Vancouver. But I got there, and when I did get there, I was very excited to be at the NHL draft for the second time. Uh, I was also there in Dallas in 2018. But being there in 2019 in a Canadian city was just a very exciting experience. And obviously, Vancouver is not a place. You know, being on the opposite end, the East Coast, uh, it was about as far away as it gets for me. Uh, but it was as, you know, uh, it was it was incredible, an incredible city. And uh, it was great to be there to see Cole Caulfield get drafted because, Rick, in preparation for this discussion, I went back and listened to episodes 39 and 40, uh, our pre-draft episode 39 and our post-draft episode 40 uh, leading up and after that draft uh, in Vancouver. Um, and I didn't mention Cole Caulfield in the preview, but he was somebody that I was really interested by. But the perception at the time was he might be off the board by the time the Canadians get a chance to pick. Or there was also the belief that he could just completely slip out of the first round and be a second round draft pick. There was that perception at the time. So you didn't really know where exactly he was going to get selected. But I remember being pretty high on Cole Caulfield because of the goal scoring prowess and when he was selected it was it was a pretty exciting uh, pretty exciting time you know Shea Weber was there he announced the selection and then immediately thereafter Brendan Gallagher was also in the <laughs> arena doing stuff for the Canadians Twitter and uh, YouTube account so it was all a very exciting period for Montreal Canadiens fans and Cole Caulfield being selected by the Montreal Canadiens to be there to see it happen, as, as and as Jim pointed out, it is it is full circle. It's it's incredible. Well, and we remember that um, yeah, the, the Canadians uh, themselves uh, had uh, had three players that they had ranked in their top ten, their their own ranking, yeah. um, and they included Peyton Krebs, uh, Matthew Boldy, and Cole Caulfield, and they didn't expect. Um, they, things would have to, uh, they would have to get help, uh, yeah. for one of those players to drop in their, in, in their, uh, lap. And, and we heard that conversation, uh, between, uh, Trevor Timmons and Shane Churla. Uh, we need help from the Panthers. They got to take the goaltender. Spencer Knight, uh, turned out going, uh, 13th and, uh, Matthew Boldy, uh, high on their list, went to Minnesota and then it was left to uh, the Canadians to have their choice uh, between Cole Caulfield, Peyton Krebs. Uh, they took uh, Caulfield at 15, and Krebs went uh, to Vegas at uh, at 17. Yeah, and I mean it was it was a very interesting situation, and we remember, yeah, there was the uh, the inadvertent uh, <laughs> leak of that information of who the Canadians did value with that selection. But there was also the belief because when we did that pre-interview, the the pre-draft episode of the Canadians Connection, 
at that point in time, we were of the mindset the Canadians were probably going to take a defenseman with that 15th right. overall pick. And they ended up going the opposite direction, valuing three forwards with that first pick in uh, the names that you just named, Boldy, Caulfield, and Peyton Krebs. But then later on in that draft made it up with some left-shot defensemen. But, Rick, it goes beyond that because that was also that was incredible to be there at the at Van- in Vancouver for the NHL entry draft in 2019. But Rocket Sports has also been there for uh, for some college games for Colt Caulfield with Wisconsin. That's right. We um, well, the the draft was in June of 2019. That fall uh, it was the end of October, beginning of November. We traveled to uh, Penn State, uh, Happy Valley State College, and um, and uh, Wisconsin was in for a two game set, and uh, and we saw firsthand um, Cole Caulfield, who at that point. He was a pretty one-dimensional player. Uh, he was uh, he he would hover around the the red line, waiting for his team to recapture the puck and bring it up. And he was all offense all the time. Uh, and uh, and even uh, you know there was delayed penalties. The arm would go up for a penalty on the opposition. Cole Caulfield was up on the boards. He had one leg over the boards. He was ready to get on for the power play and yeah. and would spend a minute forty five out there. Uh, for each power play, he was an offensive machine, and and that's where his singular focus was. Um, and but w- the nice thing is that that we had a chance to uh, to talk with him, uh, to talk with uh, the other Canadians prospect Jack Gorniak, uh, Amy Johnson interviewed uh, exclusively, both uh, a long form interview with uh, Gorniak and and uh, or a medium, let's say, yeah. uh, interview with uh, and and Caulfield. And also uh, head coach of the, the Badgers, Tony Granado, and and shared with uh, with uh, our our uh, hockey community uh, kind of the first glimpses of of uh, of uh, Cole Coffee. And, and you should go to the uh, All Habs uh, YouTube page and and uh, and check back. And you can see it's it's a fascinating interview with Cole Caulfield, um, and he had uh, lots of things to say about Jack Hughes at that time and and uh, about uh, his draft experience. Uh, it, it kind of puts things into perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely go back and check that out. But yeah, Rick, it, it, it's all very interesting. And I think at this current moment, it would be good to have somebody to provide us with an inside look and provide the inside story on Cole Caulfield. Well, Rick, we have the great pleasure of being joined by Todd Molesky of the Wisconsin State Journal. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, he's the sports reporter for the Wisconsin State Journal, excuse me. And uh, we're very happy to have him with us to discuss Cole Caulfield and the development that we've seen from Cole uh, in the last few years. Uh, so, Todd, thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We, um, uh, Todd, we crossed paths about a year and a half ago in Happy Valley, and uh, the Badgers were visiting Penn State. We saw two games in person, Cole Caulfield. And at that point, that was uh, end of October, beginning of November uh, 2019, at that point, uh, we saw a very one-dimensional player. Um, and this season, as we've we followed along, uh, followed the action on TV, um, Caulfield has become a more complete player. Uh, can you talk about that uh, evolution? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. It was a one-dimensional cold coffee, but it was a really good one-dimensional. Oh, oh, absolutely, right. I mean, that that and that's what he's been able to get by on. That he's you know he's a goal scorer, and he was really good at it. Um, and, and going up through the levels of, of hockey. Uh, if you can do that, you're going to get attention to yourself. You're going to, you know, when you can do it to the levels that he did at the national team development program, you're going to, you know, obviously get in the picture for being a first round pick like he was. Um, and you become known for, for that, but that doesn't, when you get up to the higher levels, college, AHL, NHL, you can't really mask anymore that you're not that great in your own zone or without the puck. And that's did start to come out last season where, um, you know, Cole would be, uh, you know, kind of hovering around the top of the D zone, or if not just kind of outright (laughs) hanging out in the neutral zone, waiting for the puck to turn over and not really taking part in that forcing of the puck to turn over or, or, or covering players in the D zone. Uh, and, and that did change over uh, the last offseason where we saw him when the season started here back in November, when it was delayed till November, uh, we saw a player who was, yeah, he did still, you know, he, he, he was the high man in, in the D zone. I mean, that was his job, but he was more involved in it. He would track back a lot better and he would understand that when he was coming back, if he was, um, if he was needed to be. Uh, in a zone or in a lane to break up things, he had a much better uh, knowledge of where that was supposed to be. And I think that came with time last season and the understanding. And, and you know, you have to fail to, to learn in a lot of ways. And I think he did a lot of that last season, uh, you know, while scoring 19 goals as a freshman in against a really tough schedule. So, um, yeah, he got the goals he, he wanted last season uh, as a freshman. Uh, but he got a lot more in his sophomore season because he was able to be a part of things in the D zone and turn the puck over easier and be more involved with the puck going forward uh, when it did happen that way. From that Badger team um, a year ago, uh, the 2019-20 Badger team, we saw a couple of Caulfield's teammates uh, turn pro. Alex uh, Turcott went to the Kings, uh, Kendra Miller, uh, with the Rangers. And at the time, at the end of the season, Mark Bergevin felt that Cole was uh, not necessarily ready. And there was a discussion and, and Caulfield returned to Wisconsin uh, for his sophomore year. Um, can you contrast the development paths of, of Caulfield with his teammates? We've, we've seen articles already about, you know, should Alex Turcott have, have stayed an extra season? Those kinds of things. Um, can you talk about uh, the different paths uh, that they took? Yeah, and, and with, with Turcotte specifically, I think, would he have been helped? Would he have been in a better position if he had stayed in college for a second year? I, I can make that argument, but I don't know that necessarily his decision was wrong in his situation. I mean, he's he's a player that uh, is built a little bit differently than Caulfield, obviously. And, and when, when we talk about Cole, a lot of this is going to be framed in the, yeah, he's 5'7", 170 pounds, right? Because that yeah. it, it's hard to get past that. Even uh, it, It'll always be hard for him to get past that let's face it in the nhl when he's gonna be up against guys that are six seven inches bigger than him and and a lot of pounds heavier than him um but he's and and so in that sense i'm i'm really interested to see how this goes over the next few months in his first entry into that 
um, uh, that's fear, I guess, of, of playing at that level. But in, in contrasting him and, and Turcotte, Turcotte was a, um, a, a player who I think was, was kind of of the mindset that it's, I, I think he felt like his, his development was, was a little bit advanced, a little bit further along. And there were some people that told me that, that um, he was going to be able to play his game at the next level a little bit easier than Cole would, just from the fact that Cole is a finisher. Cole needs, uh, in, he, he's able to make things happen for himself, but he's a lot better when he has the right pieces around him um, to put that in place. And he, he found that a little bit, um, in his second season with the Badgers, where he had Linus Weisbach and Ty Pelton Weiss on his line and a five forward power play that really did all click together a little bit better than they, the Badgers were ever able to in that first season, that uh, or in last season, 1920 season. Um, and so I think that has helped Cole's development, whereas I don't know that it necessarily would have helped Turcotte or Miller because they and we've seen from Keandre Miller with the Rangers this season with a little bit. I've been able to see that he's fitting in pretty well mm-hmm. uh, at, at the next level and without having to take the intermediate step of the AHL. I mean, he's he's been asked to do quite a bit with the Rangers. So uh, I think that's that's working out pretty well all in all. I mean, there's going to be some bumps there. Obviously, there always are. Uh, but he's doing well there. So I think for for Caulfield's perspective, having the extra year in college, I think did help him. Um, you know, maybe last season at the at the end of last season with the Badgers, maybe he thought he might have been ready. He now he knows he's ready, and I think that's a big difference. I I I always look back, and this is going to be the example used in college for years to come. Kale McCarr, as a defenseman at UMass as a freshman, was pretty good. May have been able to make a jump to. Uh, the, the AHL or NHL after his sophomore season, you knew he was ready to go. And he showed that right away in the playoffs that year for Colorado. And, and so I think that's the example that could end up happening with Caulfield Montreal. He's, he, he could have gone and played pro last season and done a pretty good job. I think he'll, now he'll go and play pro and the chances are a lot better. He'll do a really good job. So on uh, April 9th, we have uh, the presentation of the Hobie Baker Award. And on Thursday, uh, Cole Caulfield, uh, no surprise, was uh, named one of the finalists, uh, the Hobie Hat Trick finalists. Uh, Cole Caulfield, Shane Pinto, who uh, signed his ELC with, with Ottawa, uh, and uh, free agent goaltender Dryden McKay. Um, now there's... Let me just take before I ask you my question about Cole. Let me take let me sidetrack a, mi- a minute here. Uh, there's only been one, um, as far as I know, a Hobie Baker Award in Wisconsin Badger history, and that honor went to uh, Blake Jeffreyon. And and uh, of course, Blake Jeffreyon, grandson of Boom Boom Jeffreyon, great grandson of Howie Morenz. What what is it like to have? that hockey royalty name attached to um, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. And then I'll get back to what I was going to ask you about uh, Cole. Yeah, that was um, the the years that, that Blake was playing at Wisconsin. That was um, he, he's he's a player that never lacked for confidence, and I think that was really kind of what what gave him a little bit of an edge. Uh, you know, another player that came up through the the national team program and and had a uh, you know <laughs> you mentioned when your name's Jeffrey on, I mean yeah. you're gonna you're gonna attract some attention, right? Um, 
And so that's uh, his his teammates nicknamed him Bam Bam here because of the Boom Boom <laughs> nickname, and and that, that that got a bit of a rise out of everyone for a few years. But um, yeah, having that, um, like you say, royalty attached to his name always did kind of. Uh, come along with him, and so there was there were some certain expectations. And I did a story recently asking um, some some former Badgers goalies who were the best shooters that they ever faced on their own team. And so just trying to trying to put Caulfield in some perspective, I guess. And Scott Goodmanson, who uh, was the Badgers goalie at the same time that uh, Blake Jeffreyon was here, mentioned that you know he would co- that Jeffreyon would come up the wing and un- unload that slap shot that he just kind of telegraphed, and and he still didn't know where it was going. And, and a lot of times he didn't either, and it would go glass <laughs> and out, but uh, and, and make a lot of people uh, you know in the coaching staff unhappy that that's how he would uh, uh, lose his own on a play. But um, that I mean that was part of his game that he he had that that slap shot that just kind of I think carried through uh, the genetics um, uh, of, of his name and his, his bloodlines. So that's, um, that was definitely a part of his, uh, his game. And yeah, that, that royalty thing did, uh, did kind of stick with him, um, you know, for better, or for worse in a lot of ways, um, uh, throughout his career. And then Jeffrey on coming from Nashville to, uh, to the Canadians and his uh, career cut short now part of the brain trust with the Florida Panthers. Uh, but, uh, relating that to, I, I mentioned the, the Hobie Baker, um, Cole Caulfield, um, his goal for the season was, was to be the best player in college hockey. Now, if he wins that, this award uh, on the ninth, is that kind of the measuring stick? Is that, is that what he was thinking of? Or, or did he have a completely different mindset about what the best college player means to him? I think that was, I, I don't remember him using the specifically the words Hobie Baker award, but I think that was in his mind. Yeah. That, as being the, uh, confirmation or the, um, you know, you know, the final stamp of approval on that people recognize that he was the best player in college hockey this season, because, you know, normally it's a, it's a pretty close vote. You can make arguments for a lot of people and there are still some arguments you can make for, for the finalists. But I mean, looking at the totality of it, 30 goals in 31 games, getting his team back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in seven seasons, winning the big 10 championship. uh, the, The first time Wisconsin has won a conference regular season championship in 21 years. I mean, these are all things that add up to, um, you know, not only, you know, the, the team success, but that individual success as seeing Cole as the the one that was I mean, he's not the only high level player on the team. Dylan Holloway was a, is a really good player, did, yeah. wasn't even on his line. And, and, and so um, they they have some 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 more depth to it. Uh, the Badgers did this season than just Cole. But I think everyone recognized Cole was the. Uh, the driving force behind it and the one that they could count on to throw over the boards. And if you needed a goal late, there was a pretty good chance he was going to get it. And so that was, I, I, I think you put that all together and that's why he's, his candidacy is so far ahead of a lot of the other uh, finalists. Uh, Todd, you talked a little bit earlier and it was, it was, you know, noted that, that Cole Caulfield has been seen as a bit of a one dimensional uh, prospect, but of course that one dimension being that wicked wrist shot, that, that's a pretty good dimension to have. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk about that shot and, and what makes it so lethal? 
Well, it, it, and and this is one of the things that I I want I, I was asking goalies about what makes it hard with the best shots you've seen, and a lot of it is deception and timing from from what I understand, and and some of the goalies I talked to got into that where with with Caulfield it's you know it's off his stick quickly so he's able to and there was uh I, I don't remember exactly what game it was but there was a a, a two-on-one where he and Linus Weisbach came in Weisbach had the puck on the right side um and it, it saucer to pass over to Caulfield and it wasn't a perfect it wasn't in a, a great shooting zone for him it was a little bit into his skates and so it, it he had to adjust to make the uh the, the shot where he would want it to go and he yeah. did that it was quick and it was uh he got it up under the bar and the goalie had no chance at it it was just one of those that's like it, it if he can do that just in a in an instant you know it it, it tells you when when you give him a, you know a second or more to make a play how good he is because when he is able to he's got the the combination of the wrists and the hips is actually what Tony Granado was describing earlier to me is that his, his ability to to position his hips to adjust wherever that the pass is coming from is really what makes it uh, dangerous uh, as as a shooter that he can um, you know kind of. Uh, pull it or pull his his body around a lot quicker than a lot of other guys can um so that i think goes into it too plus he's i mean he's just the work that he's done with his hands and with you know working with small objects i mean he he does a lot of the work with a with a golf ball on, on his stick and and you know that that kind of makes it uh a little bit easier when you're working with a puck than to, to, to move things through because it's uh if you can do it with a golf ball you can do it with a, <laughs> with a uh, uh hockey puck pretty easily too um it's it's you know it's, it's all that work that's gone into it and and it plus i mean his his dad was a really really good scorer in his day in college at the division three college levels or lower college levels here in the u.s um you know set all sorts of records at the school that he played at wisconsin stevens point um and so i think it did carry over that mentality of you know how you work at it and how you um you know just become that kind of player plus his dad was a rink manager so the kids had a lot of time on the ice <laughs> available to them uh both cole and brock is his older brother uh and obviously they they use that pretty well this is the canadians connection i'm rick stevens uh with my co-host uh joseph whalen and we're thrilled to be uh joined with uh todd Molesky, and he's a sports reporter with wisconsin state journal we're talking about cole caulfield and um Todd, you just mentioned uh, Tony Granado's name, uh, of course, the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. And uh, there seems to have been a, uh, you know, uh, Cole Caulfield, I think, has been fortunate uh, to have Tony Granado as his uh, as his coach as he's uh, developing. Um, One of the things that that Granado spoke about uh, recently was Caulfield being targeted by opposing teams and um, he even spoke about uh, Caulfield's ability to draw major penalties and 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 kind of put in in gave him the mindset of wearing that as a badge of honor uh, because it's going to come up in the AHL and, and the NHL. Um, can you talk about uh, you know that uh, that mindset and and also the match between uh, Granado and Caulfield? Yeah, I think on, on the Granado and Caulfield part. Um 
you know, Granado has been there. I mean, he's a, he's a smaller guy who made a really good NHL career for himself out of being gritty. Uh, and that may not necessarily be Cole's style, but he's going to have to embrace some of that to have a long career in the NHL, because as a smaller guy, you're going to get targeted. And like you, like you mentioned, you're going to have to uh, play through a lot of those, those hits that would be, I mean, considered to be major penalties in, in college. Anyway, I, I, I don't know that they're direct. You're going to see the exact kind of things in AHL and NHL get called the same way. Um, maybe they will be, maybe they won't be, but, um, and, or maybe they won't even be, delivered in the same way as hits as they, as they were in college uh some of them that he received this year but um i think that's so that's going to be a uh a part of Caulfield's career he knows that he saw that this year and last year that and probably the years before when he was with the national team program and and racking up all sorts of goals um teams are going to have to you know if he's going well, teams are going to adjust a lot of what they do to try and stop him. So I think having that experience this season is going to help him. It's going to be a, uh, you know, a, just a lesson in how you handle that mentally. And it seemed like he did handle that pretty well over the season, just knowing that you're going to get hit. You're going to be a guy that's going to have to try to be a little bit more elusive, to have to work a little bit harder to uh, not put yourself in positions where you're going to get hit hard. Um, and, and and so I think that is what some of what Tony Granato helped him with is understanding that, um, this is part of your game going forward. You're going to have to understand that. You're going to have to deal with it. And in the, the other part of, of the Tony Granato connection with, with Cole Caulfield is just that, you know, like I mentioned, he's been there. He's done this. He, he had a 13-year NHL career as a player and 13 more as a, uh, as a coach slash assistant coach, I, I believe it ended up being in the NHL. So um, there, there's not a lot of guys that can speak with the authority that Tony Granato does in terms of what it's like trying to get from college to the NHL. Because, I mean, let's face it, when, when he was, um, uh, you know, coming out of college, he, plays four, he played four years at Wisconsin from 83 to 87. Uh, then he was in the Olympics, and, and then he had to kind of try and make his way up through the IHL at that point to the Rangers and, and, and prove that he belonged there. Um, you know, some of that is, is what Cole Caulfield's going to have to do. I mean, obviously there's a lot more attention on him given that, you know, he was a first round pick and, uh, you know, where the fan base that is expecting an awful lot out of him in Montreal, but, um, there, there's some, some similarities to be drawn there between Tony Granado's, uh, rise and, and what Cole Caulfield could do, because, um, I, I do feel like that, um, He's been able, Granado has been able to give Caulfield some, some, uh, decent advice out of, out of his experience over the years in the NHL. Todd, you spoke earlier about being interested to see the introduction, uh, into the pro game for Cole Caulfield. Can you talk a little bit about the time in the weight room this season to prepare for the physical yeah. demands of the pro game? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've always heard. And, you know, it's it, part of this is just the marketing component of it. I, of it. I think that uh, in the college game, you know, when you play two games, generally Friday and Saturday a week, and then you have four days of practice, 
you get a little bit more time to put in that weight training aspect. And a lot of it is done in the off season. That's when you really go at it hard in the weight room, but you do have that maintenance component throughout a season that, that you can, uh, that, that will help you as the season goes along too. And, and, and by the end of the season, maybe you're not as beat up or worn out. Um, if, if you've, you've worked at it right. And I think that's what he's, he's been getting at in these last couple of weeks when we've talked about him, about those, uh, kind of efforts through the year to, uh, to, you know, make sure he's not, uh, to make sure he's, he's coming into this season as a, as a, uh, multi-month event. I mean, just looking at it from the fact that, you know, they've been practicing since, well, you know, they've been starting in school since September, but they, a lot of them came back in July. And at that point, you had to figure that Caulfield saw this as, uh, you know, a season that was going to extend for him, most likely his last season in college. Uh, so it would extend for him beyond the college, you know, in, until March or April. Um, and, and now the way that the NHL schedule got backed up in the AHL schedule, there's even more time, uh, after the season. So that, that's a lot of time to be ready for the grind uh, of being in, um, you know, practice and, and competition kind of environment. And I, I think that had to fuel him a little bit in knowing, uh, look, I've got to be weight trained. I've got to do the best that I can to, to be ready for a long, long season, probably the longest season that, uh, that maybe he's ever been a part of in terms of not necessarily the number of games, but uh, the length of time that you have to be in that, uh, you know, game or, or high level practice environment. So that, that, that I think did play into uh, where he's at right now and why he's, you know, I think going to be able to make a jump physically as best as as possible for him i mean yeah he's still got he, he can't change the fact that he's you know his height and, and weight are what they are in in great yeah. degree it's, it's, the weight is especially in you know, the height you can't really do anything about but um what you can do is you can be as conditioned as possible and players here have have talked for years about jim snyder the uh, the strength and conditioning coach here as being um you know just just a a, a great credit to uh to what they do and a great addition to what they're able to do uh with their bodies in the in the weight room when talking about uh cole caulfield um tony granado uh, recently uh described um, his performance as a, as a phenomenal year um, said it was the best college year he's ever seen. Uh, that's, that's pretty high praise and also high expectations. And uh, you mentioned uh, the Canadians fan base and now they have high expectations. Um, how does Caulfield stay level-headed? How does he stay even keel? How does he, um, you know, uh, have the the mental fortitude to uh to to deal with these expectations of him yeah i think that's something that's built up over these last couple of years because and i i i asked him after uh one game that was on rds um being back to to quebec and and his first one of the year uh he did not it play very well. I think, yeah. yeah it was the michigan game early in the yeah. year i believe and and so you know you can you you get that back here too you see it on twitter and people are like um 
what what's going on? Uh, should we be concerned? And you know, obviously that that concern level goes up to ten pretty quickly with uh, with someone as uh, in in the situation that he's in. Um, and so I think he had a hat trick in one of the later games on RDS. And so I asked him after that if he was aware that uh, that these games were going back to Quebec, and he he said, "Yeah, it's hard to avoid that." And so I think there's some realization in there that that he knows. Um, you know, what's around him, what the expectation levels are like. And I think to some extent he, he feeds off of that because he's a guy that, you know, if you tell him he can't do something, he's going to go out and prove you wrong or, or do his, his best trying. Um, and so that's, um, I, I think it's a good kind of relationship to have with someone like him that, you know, there's going to be a lot of doubters and that's going to fuel him. That, that has always done that for him. So, um, you know, maybe that gets to be a lot after a while and we'll see after he's in that environment for, you know, a few months, a few years, whether that gets taxing. And I think it does on a lot of players, but um, he does seem like the type that does f- get, get fueled from from those kind of um, questions and and uh, doubts and and just the interest in him and so uh, th- that's where some of my interest uh, comes in, in seeing how he uh, how he handles that because I think from from what I've seen over the last couple of years and how he's reacted in situations here with the Badgers that are you know obviously on a much lower scale in terms of uh, interests uh, compared to what a, a Canadians fan base can have, uh, he's handled it pretty well. Well, Todd, we, we would like to thank you for joining us to provide this insight into Cole Caulfield and his season uh, at Wisconsin. I would just like to say that our, our listeners can find you on Twitter at Todd Molesky. Uh, where can they find your work? Uh, our website is madison.com and, uh, yeah, for the Wisconsin state journal, we have that website and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, probably the best place to find it. Todd, thanks. This is, uh, this has been great, great, uh, insight and, and great discussion. We thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey, yeah, that was a tremendous interview that we just had. Uh, and it was fantastic to be joined by Todd Molesky of the Wisconsin state journal to give us that inside story on Cole Caulfield, provide us with a little bit of insight into what his college experience, uh, what Cole Caulfield's college experience has been uh, over the last two years at Wisconsin. Todd Molesky there every step of the way uh, for two years of his college career. Uh, Todd covered home games, covered uh, games on the road, uh, and he knows every moment of... of uh, uh, Cole Caulfield's uh, college career, uh, lots of insight, lots of inside yeah. information, uh, and uh, just a terrific guest. And and we're we're so happy he uh, he spent some time with us to share it with uh, our listeners. Absolutely, and go ahead and follow Todd as we said on on social media on Twitter at Todd Molesky on Twitter. Uh, so, Rick, uh, we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We've still got more to come in the third segment. We'll get some thoughts on Connor McDavid's hit on Yasperi Kotkaniemi after this quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 130 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, uh, earlier in the show, you touched on a couple of uh, firestorms. One of them being uh, <laughs> one of them being Shane Gostas Bear being put on waivers. The other being uh, in the first game back for the Montreal Canadiens that four nothing win over the Oilers. A hit from Connor McDavid on Jesperi Kotkaniemi that uh, got the hockey world talking and certainly fired up Montreal Canadiens fans. Absolutely. Uh, I posted a little clip of the um, McDavid elbow um, that uh, that knocked down uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi uh, on our uh, All Habs uh, fan page on Facebook. And um, I think you should head there. Uh, yeah. Look for at all Habs on Facebook, at all Habs on Facebook, and you can join in the discussion. My goodness, um, I t- I put the the uh, the hit and then the resulting decision by the department of of uh, the NHL Department of Player Safety, which was a five thousand dollar fine for Connor McDavid. I put those two posts out, and uh, we've we've had uh, engagement by uh, about one hundred and thirty thousand. <laughs> Hockey fans, yeah. uh, lots of Canadians fans, uh, a few Oilers fans, maybe in, even some Leafs fans in there, and there's about 1,200 comments. Um, so uh, if you want to get in there uh, and have your say, please head to our uh, uh, All Habs fan page on Facebook and 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 share your thoughts on on the hit and uh, and on anything else, any other issue uh, that you want to want to talk about. And what were your thoughts on uh, on that hit? Well, look, I, I think that I wasn't expecting a suspension, uh, first of all. that I just wasn't because we've seen worse than that go 
on with, without penalty, really. Uh, we saw the Dylan Dubé hit on Kadkaniemi earlier this season with nothing, and actually the Canadians got a penalty on that play somehow. Uh, but I wasn't expecting anything out of this because it's Connor McDavid, but also because a, a lot of the conversation that came out of it was, well, if we're going to suspend people for that, I mean, it's, you know, uh, it's a slippery slope. And, and I could... I can understand that argument, but I think if you're the Montreal Canadiens player right now and you look at that hit, and the thing that I would say to anybody thinking, well, oh, it's Connor McDavid, he's not going to hurt anybody with that. I mean, Connor McDavid, if there's anybody that could have hurt Jesperi Kotkaniemi with the type of speed that he can build up in a very short period of time and just to fling an elbow out there at his chin, and I understand shoulder, and then it ramped up, it wasn't directly to the head, but it did catch the head. That's an important part of this. Um, it's It was a dangerous play. It was a dangerous play. And if you're a Montreal Canadiens forward, or Montreal Canadiens player, rather, at this point, where you've had Tyler Myers, Dylan Dubé, Eric Goodbranson, Connor McDavid go without a suspension for a hit to the head, at some point you have to wonder if these guys feel protected when they go out on the ice. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, we've seen... Uh, Armia um, suffer the effects of uh, con- concussion symptoms earlier in the season. Uh, you mentioned that hit Dylan Dubé on on uh, Kakinyemi, and and as with concussions, with with head injuries, uh, you know it's it's easier to get the second after you've had the first, and of yes. course. It's not the first, uh, the, the, the Dubé hit was not the first one for Kakinyemi. So you worry about a young player and, uh, and, and, and the, the, the NHL, uh, the Department of Player Safety, taking this issue uh, seriously enough. And uh, obviously the, the fine was, uh, you know, just a, a pocket change for, yeah. uh, for Connor McDavid. And for the they, they they said that for the type of hit that it was the elbow I think it was the maximum they could give under the classification I believe was the explanation there but it still does not feel like enough to say that that is a, the type of hit that you cannot have happen out on the ice but regardless as Rick said there's been a lot that's been said about that hit over on the All Habs fan page if you want to have your voice heard head on over there and uh, comment on the post on the All Habs fan page. Uh, but Rick, we should also say that next week we're going to have a special guest. Well, I'm excited about this one, Theron Flurry. This should be yeah. fun. Uh, we'll have him on the show uh, next week, next Saturday, Canadians Connection, April the 10th. Uh, be sure that uh, that you listen to all uh, all of our uh, Canadians Connection uh, podcasts, and if you've missed any of them. Um, there's the canadiansconnection.com, which takes you to, to the All Habs archive. Uh, we also have a new uh, way to listen, and that's uh, canadiansconnection.fm. Uh, that is uh, our new site uh, that you can go there. And, and uh, if you choose or, you know, uh, pick your favorite podcast app and look for the Canadians Connection, be sure to uh, subscribe and also to, uh, to rate. Give us, give us a like. Give us a rating on the Canadians Connection, so that, that helps other people to find our podcast. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, as you said, Rick, it's going to be a very interesting uh, guest uh, appearing next week with their, uh, with Theo Fleury uh, on the show. Um, Rick, we should say that the Montreal Canadiens this week, there's going to be, as we said, a very significant ramp-up in terms of the games played in a very short period of time, and that begins this week. We're playing the Ottawa Senators tonight, Saturday, you're playing the Edmonton Oilers on the 5th, the Leafs on the 7th, 
and the Jets on the 8th of April. So these this is going to be a very uh, interesting period for the Montreal Canadiens. They're back now. They looked refreshed in those couple of games that we've seen since their return. But now comes a pretty significant test in the form of these games that are going to be played in a very short period of time. Absolutely. We'll, we'll have a full plate. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, join us on social media. Join us uh, at allhabs.net and uh, you'll be sure to have all the coverage there. And if you have anything to say, uh, tweet us at uh, on social media. Go to the All Habs Facebook page or um, if you want to go to the Rocket Sports text line, uh, it's as always 585 Rocket. Send us a text. Absolutely. And we'd love to hear from you. It's Canadians Connection podcast. We love to connect uh, with everyone that uh, listens to the Canadians Connection podcast. But Rick, we should also say Happy Easter, uh, Easter weekend this week. So it'll be uh, hopefully uh, enjoy some chocolate. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not too much, but uh, you know, <laughs> everything in moderation is good, right? Absolutely. Happy Easter uh, to everyone. Uh, have uh, have a safe time with uh, with your family and also uh, happy Passover to our Jewish friends. Absolutely. So, Rick, we will say goodbye for this week. We'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens and with, as we said, special guest Theo Fleury. So thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.